Welcome, 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 everybody, into episode 40, the big 4-0 of the Time and Duo podcast. I'm Tony Puglisi, joined by my wonderful co-host and co-producer Tom Bauer, here to bring you all the latest that was in the world of MLB baseball. This is a show brought to you by two individuals who offered up multiple blood sacrifices in order to make sure the technology actually works this time. Editor Tom probably took that out, but that took me way too many times to say that last <laughs> sentence. We're off to a great start, Tom. The technology may be good so far, but my vocal cords, uh, huh, we're off to a damn good start. I don't know if that's really your vocal cords. We're having no tech issues, hopefully right now, knock on wood. But our grammar is going to be completely off the charts today because one, it always is, and two, I'm, o I'm only operating at about 85% right now, so any sort of mental capacity is probably being, that's being used by my body, see, that was already a f*** up, <laughs> any sort of, any sort of energy used by my body right now is probably trying to make me feel ever so slightly better. No COVID, so that's good. Yeah, just allergies suck. That's all, that, that's all that it really is, but uh, yeah, tech issues aside, grammar, non-existent, we're hanging in there, Tony. We absolutely are. I mean, after that last gong show of an episode, it's kind of hard to... I, I don't want to say it's hard to top that, but it's hard to, like, get back to that state of... Like, just so it's clear, both of us were tired as hell when we recorded that last... When we recorded last week's episode, we just wanted to, you know, get something on, audition, edit it, and just get it out there. We were very tired that night. Mother of God, those tech issues woke us up, though. I... <laughs> I don't think oh, we ever yeah. I don't think we ever had such a big turnaround in the middle of a recording when it came to us getting progressively more awake as the time goes. I mean, granted, we could definitely chalk that up to us normally recording in the dead of night, which, hey, that now would be a good time for a disclaimer that we're actually not recording in the dead of night for once. This episode's actually being recorded on Saturday, September the 3rd. I almost said August the 3rd. It does not feel like September right now, man. It's damn hot outside or at least at least downstairs there's hardly any ac down here but either way september the 3rd about four o'clock in the p.m so anything that transpires uh at the end of this weekend like for instance a yankee sweep at the hands of the rays i don't know just throwing something out there for instance sake uh i'm not salty we won't be able to talk about that because it's not happened yet if anything does we might just plug it into post like we did last time. Granted, last time it was out of necessity, but you get it. Also, second follow-up or second disclaimer, go follow our social medias. We are at Pod on Twitter, the Dimandua Podcast on the Instagram for more content and show updates. Do it. You won't. I don't know. I'm just daring you at this point. Go follow us. Do it. <laughs> Uh, yeah. God, yeah, please, please go do it. I don't know. We're, we're out of words this week. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know where I'm going with this. Like, see, I already told you, like, my mental capacity is kind of, like, at large right now. I'm in this, like, fuzzy state of where do we start with this episode, Tony? Like, we have an idea of where we're going to go, and it's going to be about September call-ups. Because, boy, howdy, there were some interesting ones that happened for the actual event of September call-ups, when teams can expand their rosters, I believe now from 26 to 28, um, I could be wrong, it could be 28 to 30, but what the f*** do I know? I only run a baseball right. podcast, after all. I should probably know these things off the top of my head. But, um, also some call-ups that happened prior to September, such as the biggest one, by far, the Baltimore Orioles. And would you believe 
that at the beginning of this year, if I had told my past self that the Baltimore Orioles were making smarter front office decisions than the New York Yankees were heading into September, I think I would have laughed at myself and like threw myself in a river because of how horrifying that thought would have been. But it is true. And I say this because they actually abide by the youth movement, probably because they have a better farm system, but still, nice voice crack, but still, Gunnar Henderson, guns ablazing, now in Baltimore, now that he is their shortstop of the future, or at least an infielder of the future, utility man, however you want to put it, he is now a part of the big time rush fantasy, fo- uh, fantasy football, fantasy baseball organization in the Diamond Duel Podcast League, and yes, my team has Gunnar Henderson. Very proud of that move. But what I'm even more proud of is the fact that he is actually producing very well at the big league level so far. Wouldn't you say, Tony? He is producing fantastically at the big league level so far. The kid's already up, and I believe hit a home run in his first major league game in Cleveland, stole a base the next day, made a nice sparkly play, I believe at second base in like his second or third game. Gunnar Henderson is everything Yankees fans hope Oswald Peraza would be, which trust me, we'll get to that. I won't talk about the Yankees for an extended period of time here. I'm just going to challenge myself because Gunnar Henderson, obviously one of the top hitting prospects in all of baseball, one of the best shortstop prospects as well. He, I, I at least thought he was going to be up next year with the Baltimore youth movement that involved guys like Grayson Rodriguez, maybe DL Hall, And Gunnar Henderson would be that guy, what Adley Rushman was this year, kind of a youth spark plug. But Baltimore's front office said, hey, you know what? We're only a game and a half out of a wildcard spot. The AL wildcard teams are, you know, they're good, but so many of them aren't like, you know, like they're going to run away with it. Like, for instance, with the National League, the Mets and the Braves, like they're close in the NL East, and one of them is going to be that top wildcard spot, and one's going to win the NL East. There's no surefire team like that in the AL, unless maybe you count... Uh, Tampa Bay. Nevertheless, Baltimore sees a chance to strike, and they're f***ing taking it by calling up Gunnar Henderson. I love that move. They said, why wait? We could give ourselves the shot in the arm next year of bringing up a hot young shortstop prospect, or we could just do it now and just go for it. Probably not going to win the whole thing, could definitely use more starting pitching depth, but the way the hitting is shaping up and the way that bullpen could just lock down any game, Felix Batista is so underrated. Seriously, go look at his numbers. Baltimore's going for it. I give him a lot of credit, and Henderson's given them exactly what they've hoped for and more. That is how you run a baseball team. I'm going to avoid the Yankees comment. I'm just going to say props to the Orioles. I didn't think that among the most forward-thinking organizations in the game would encompass the Orioles this year. I thought it was going to be the usual suspects of, you know, the Braves and Dodgers, of which, of course, they're there. But Baltimore, I will give them a lot of credit. I I thought after last year, their rebuild was still going to be chugging along until maybe the middle of the decade. I give them a hell of a lot of credit. Gunnar Henderson, that call-up, and the way he's played is such a good thing for both them and baseball. And this is exactly what teams hope these young guys can do. And it's proven itself this year. Corbin Carroll, I mean, I think he was called up a little bit after the Diamondbacks caught some fire, but hell, the Diamondbacks are in third place in f***ing NL West right now. Oh my They're god, they the Giants! Are... Wait, the Giants are in fourth? Yeah! They're in fourth! Dude, what? As I, okay. as I say that, my throat is very itchy, so I'm going to try and refrain from screaming anymore, but... <laughs> See, there you go. 
Um, <laughs> oh, wouldn't it be a shame if the prophecy came up, Tom? I cannot scream about the prophecy this week. There are seven and a half up in the NL Central. I'm feeling happy about that for now. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> but Arizona is a half game above San Francisco in the NL West oh to confirm God. your suspicions because Arizona is 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. And I would like to think Corbin Carroll could be a reason why. But back to the conversation at hand before we switch gears to Corbin Carroll. Gunnar Henderson is hoping to be that exact same player. And it's worked with Adley Rutschman before. I mean, Julio Rodriguez has kind of been on the team all year, but once he started catching fire, guess what? The Mariners sure as did. Who other, what other young guys can we think of? Uh, Stephen Kwan, Michael Harris, Vaughn Grissom. Uh, who's that guy there the Dodgers called up? Uh, Miguel Vargas, I, I think. Didn't they call up someone else? I don't know. They may have. They have like 50 million good prospects, so I, I don't <laughs> even keep track. They have like 100 prospects in the top 100. No big deal. Exactly. The point is it's a youth movement in baseball right now, and it is a beautiful thing to witness. In his first three games, Gunder Henderson's got five hits and 12 at-bats. He has a home run, like Tony mentioned, an RBI uh, stolen base. That e- equates to a 417 batting average. He's doing everything the Orioles can ask of him. He's only going to get better from here. He's a young gun. Him and his golden flow, his luscious f***ing, what do we want to call it, a mullet? Or what the f- his hairstyle is whatever it is it's beautiful it's revolutionary and he might have the best hair in all of baseball i mean it's definitely up there and his case was helped by i don't think either of us pointed it out that home run he hit he hit it so hard it, it, his helmet flew off of his head and it revealed to the world his luscious golden locks so if that's not an appropriate welcome to the bigs moment for this young gun get it young gun his name's gunner then i don't know what is yeah no gunner henderson definitely a damn good thing for the Orioles. I'm really excited to watch him next year. He's high key my rookie of the year pick for next year. I know that's as popular opinion as literally anything. There's dark horses, obviously. I don't know if Henderson performs like this next year, he'll he'll win it. He'll win it easily. And it's actually funny I mentioned rookie of the year because the NL rookie of the year in a very similar vein could very well be Corbin Carroll. And you know what, Tom? It's very funny you brag about having Gunnar Henderson on your team. To plug that hole at short, your boy was a GM, was a genius, and snagged Corbin Carroll a month ago, sna- stashed him on an A. Can I say this sentence? Stashed him <laughs> on an A, and now he's contributing as, like, my everyday utility guy. My outfield's already deadly, but you know what? Now I got a top prospect, so y'all can suck it. I'm about to secure first place this week. <laughs> oh, it's gonna feel good to win this league. But either way, let's get back to Corbin Carroll, because Tom, like you said, I... I hope you know, by the way, I'm still not wrapped around the fact that the the Diamondbacks are beating the Giants. We're going to come back to that at some point. But Carroll has been fantastic at the big league level so far. He started batting pretty low in the lineup, but today I believe he's actually hitting fifth as the Diamondbacks take on, I think it's the Brewers. Yes, yes it is. Carroll has shown a... Funny enough that uh, they're playing another team that also has suffered a big collapse. That's just ironic. You can go on. I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh my god, wait, we can talk about the Brewers too, you're right. God, we'll save that for after the call-up section, if anything. But no, Carroll in his big league uh, tenure so far, he's gotten... Actually, he's not as... I don't think he's been as electric in comparison to Henderson, just because he's got, but you know, a bit of a larger sample size with lesser results. We'll call it lesser results. He's yet to hit a home run, and he's got four hits in 17 ABs. OBP's nothing really to gawk at so far, but the guy's driven in five runs, has been scored four times, and the thing I want to point out about Carroll and the Diamondbacks outfield as a whole, Corbin Carroll is faster than Grease Lightning on a racetrack. (laughs) uh, Jake McCarthy, I believe his name is, the other Diamondbacks outfielder, I believe is in the 
99th percentile of sprint speed, and Alec Thomas is out there too in, I think, like the 97th. Christ almighty. Dude, I don't know. I saw that stat the other day on Twitter, and it really got me thinking, like, those aren't the best hitters ever, at least when it comes to Thomas and McCarthy, which actually, don't get me wrong, McCarthy's actually ridiculously hot in the month of August. He's been fantastic. Just want to give some credit where credit's due. Thomas has obviously been a top 100 prospect for some time now, and Corbin Carroll has all of four games under his belt. So if this core can actually keep performing at this level, if not better, the Diamondbacks are going to have one of the toolsiest outfields in baseball, and that's not a sentence I thought I'd say this soon, considering the year they're coming off of last year. <laughs> so... Yeah, Corbin Carroll is fast as hell. He has insane bat speed, too. And the power has not shown up yet, obviously, and with no home runs. However, an interesting stat I saw the other day. This kid hit a 437-foot double at Chase Field the other day. I forget who it was off of, but it was to dead, like, to dead center field. And if you know the Twitter page, would it dong? The whole, you know, how many ballparks would this be a home run in? 430 feet to dead center would be a home run anywhere except Chase Field, apparently. Maybe he didn't hit it high enough? I I'm not too sure. I frankly didn't see the game. But apparently that's the longest non-home run in the StatCast era, which wow. I, I found really funny. So Carroll is already hitting the ball damn hard. The home runs are going to come. The stolen bases are definitely going to come. This kid's going to be a speed demon for a while. If he keeps hitting like this, then I don't know, man. I don't I don't want to say the Diamondbacks are going to turn it around because they have plenty more holes than the Orioles do right now. But honestly, it's kind of refreshing to see teams, literally the bottom two teams last year in the Orioles and the Diamondbacks make such a big turnaround this year. I mean, granted, the Diamondbacks aren't going to make the playoffs, but still, seeing them at this stage this year, it's, it's refreshing, you know? It's a... It's a feel-good story. And keep in mind that you mentioned their young outfield. Keep in mind they also drafted Drew Jones, the son of Andrew Jones, this year, too. Now he's oh, out for the year with right. an injury. But keep in mind, he'll be into the fray at some point, too. Probably like three years down the line, at the very least. Still, exciting times ahead for Arizona. And Corbin Carroll, I mean, you took the words out of my mouth with everything you were going to talk about him. Just taking a look at his four games so far. He's got four hits, two doubles, five RBIs already. No stolen bases, which I'm kind of shocked about, given this kid's electricity on the base paths. More importantly is the fact that he is up and the Diamondbacks are winning, meaning he's adding something to that fuel that's going right. And that's ultimately what's important with these young prospects in that point that I'm making about the electricity they're bringing to the major league level. And Corbin Carroll, it's definitely been his time to shine. Glad to see that he's up in the bigs. All right, so, Tony, I think we've pretty much exercised everything we can talk about with Corbin Carroll. Who else do you want to hit upon? So, we... I. I'm going to actually give you a lot of credit for this because I was struggling to find like a one-stop shop for every team's September call-ups. I was ready to rely on this article from MLB.com that didn't tell me shit. So thank you for finding this. Uh, what is this? This is MLBTradeRumors.com. Credit to them for this wonderful little database right here showing most of the uh, September call-ups. I say most because the article is actually titled every team's initial September call-ups. I don't even think Carol is on here for the D-backs. So you're going to find a bunch of the big ones here. Like the first one up that I'm looking at right now is the Astros calling up Hunter Brown. Uh, I believe, yeah, he's he's their number one prospect right now. He's a right-handed pitcher. I believe he was taken just a couple drafts ago. It's actually funny. In the segment, Tom knows this, in the segment that I put in post last week, the whole like, oh, the prospects who could come up. And I talked about Bobby Miller and Bo Naylor and Oswald Peraza. 
I originally put two more prospects in there, and one of them was Hunter Brown. And I, I kid you not, I said at the end of that segment, if there's one guy I could not see coming up, it's Hunter Brown. Lo and behold, the second, like the microsecond, I sent that to Tom, and I said like, hey man, when you're putting everything together, like here's, here's my audio, like before you send it over to me to edit my half, I swear to God, I told him I took out Hunter Brown, and he's like, oh, that's a good thing, Hunter Brown just got called up. I would have looked like such an idiot to all of you, even though I'm making myself look like an idiot right now. Kind of stalling for time just because Hunter Brown hasn't pitched at the big league level yet, at least at the time of this recording. So can't really say much other than he looked very good in the minors this year, particularly in AAA, uh, less so in AA. I believe he spent time in both leagues this year, but nevertheless, he's got the tools to get it done. Hunter Brown's up. He should be very good for an Astros team. That's already really, really good. Staying in the AL West, uh, this one kind of hurts. The A's called up, uh, former Yankees legend Ken Waldachuk for his MLB debut, and he, <laughs> Tom, in his one start with the A's, he already did better than Frankie Montas has ever done with the Yankees. <laughs> I, granted, he didn't pitch particularly deep. He went four and two-thirds, but he struck out six, and I believe he only allowed one. So, I hate this so much. I hate the fact that we give away our prospects and they turn into gold, but no, while the Chuck pitched great, granted it was against a sputtering national squad, but hey, look at what uh, Cade Cavalli did against the Cincinnati Reds, a team that he probably should have carved up. He got absolutely shelled. So good for Waldachuk. Definitely going to be a rock in that A's rotation for a while now. Let's see who else got the call. Spencer Torkelson is back up with the Tigers. I believe he's only played one game. I don't really think he did much, but it's the Tigers. No one ever does anything. Uh, so he's back up. Let's see who else. <laughs> oh, okay. I guess I was wrong. I mentioned earlier in the Gunnar Henderson discussion that DL Hall would possibly come up next year. Ooh. Uh, yeah, he's up this year. He's thrown three and two thirds and he's got a ERA north of 12. Ouch. Remember what I said about Waldachuk? <laughs> that goes double now. DL Hall is a fantastic prospect for the Orioles. So yeah, he's up. Hopefully he'll get better. He's gotta get better. Red Sox called up Connor Wong. I'm literally just going up and down this board. There's no one really we could devote, you know, a section to, like we could Henderson and uh, Carroll. I mean, there is. Tom, trust me, I'm I'm going to throw it to you very, very soon to talk about one prospect in particular. But before I do, one last guy I'll actually touch upon. Actually, oh, I forgot about this guy. I'm actually going to talk about two of them. One is Isturi Ruiz getting called up by the Milwaukee Brewers. I'm pretty sure, if I'm correct, yeah, I'm pretty sure he was in the Josh Hader trade. He hasn't done much. He's only played in one game with one at-bat, so he's probably just a pinch hitter. So, uh, but the guy I wanted to talk about was Spencer Steer, who just made his debut with the Reds yesterday. I believe he got, he was acquired in the Tyler Malley trade, if memory serves. They got him from the Twins, and he went the f off in his debut. He's the first red since Jay Bruce to reach base four times in his debut. That's awesome. He also hit a solo shot and was driven in twice. Uh, once, obviously, by his own run, his own home run, I should say. And the second, I believe, was via the walk-off. He scored the game-winning run, so that's cool. And yeah, the Reds definitely revitalized that farm system this offseason, or sorry, this trade deadline. And if more of them perform like Spencer Steer, then who knows, maybe the Reds will actually be in a position similar to the Orioles in a few years. So good on you, Cincy. Uh, other than that, not too many, you know, big names back up at the ball club, with their respective ball club, I should say. I've gone on about prospects for quite a while, Tom. I'm going to throw it to you to talk about a prospect that... I know you say you don't know prospects a whole ton, just 
in the grand scheme of things, but I know you know this prospect. Because something fantastic finally happened to the New York Yankees, but it came at a cost. What cost would that be? Hmm. Well, let's get the cat out of the bag. The prospect is Oswald Peraza. We all know him. One of the top prospects in the Yankee system. One of their infielders, hopefully for years to come. A guy that they've taken out of trade packages to simply pair him with Anthony Volpe down the line, and they finally give him a shot at the big leagues. Fantastic. Now, the only problem is this. I don't know how Aaron Boone wants to use him, because he set his justification for not playing him at shortstop is that, quote, eh, maybe not quote, but I'm paraphrasing, but it's the same shit. IKF is one of the best defenders in the league. That's his defense. A guy with no offense this year, a guy who is playing, to me, pretty mediocre defense, even if metrics say otherwise, it's average at best, and they don't want to play him at shortstop because of that. Do they ever consider that they need offense right now? And they're not getting that in the form of IKF, Gleyber Torres, or Josh Donaldson, as well as some other guys. I'm highlighting them because those are positions that Peraza can play, and he has not started yet. Now, he's only been up for about two days. But Aaron Boone decided that, you know what? We're losing 9 to nothing to the Tampa Bay Rays. Let's throw in Oswald Peraza so that way he can strike out to end the game. Wow. That is a oh terrible way for an MLB debut. For one of your top prospects, when all the other guys are getting the f***ing red carpet thrown out for them, and Oswald Peraza gets this. What in the actual f- Does Aaron Boone think he's doing and is he being told this from up above because he's a puppet for the yankees and cashman is he being told this or like what the he's up on the big leagues play the goddamn kid please when i say i don't want to overreact and say that that's a fireable offense but when you have like tom you put it perfectly when you said how many prospects have come up in the past couple weeks even this year how early guys like julio rodriguez and bobby witt just Right out the gate. They were here, and they were everywhere. Michael Harris and Vaughn Grissom for the Braves. They got called up, you know, early to mid-season. When they were here, they played, and we knew about them because they produced. Recently, Gunnar Henderson and Spencer Steer have taken MLB headlines by storm in this big MLB youth movement, and Corbin Carroll, too. It's fantastic. It's almost like the Yankees are embarrassed to play him. I... You put him in. Granted, he is starting today. He's playing. He's batting like eighth against the Rays, which is fantastic. Can't wait for him and his shattered confidence to go out there and go 0 for 4. That's not a lack of confidence in Peraza, which granted he is a rookie. I'm not going to just boo him if he goes 0 for 4 today. But to put a top three prospect in your system on your team is to try to revitalize your team. That is the GM saying, hey, something's not working. Maybe this hot young player will help us get over the over the top, over the edge, stave off the Rays. Whoever's decision that was to not play Peraza in his first game needs a hearty slap across the face. Not advocating for violence. I Don't slap Aaron Boone, don't slap anybody. It's a metaphorical slap, but oh my god, this team gives me a metaphorical migraine. Sometimes, dude. I, I, I really, when I saw that he wasn't in the lineup, I, I could barely even watch the game. I turned it off in like the fifth inning when, or the seventh, whenever it was, when Christian f***ing Bethancourt went deep. 
I really couldn't, I couldn't watch it anymore. This team is pathetic. And the fact that Aaron Boone, I, dude, IKF must have some incriminating sh** on Aaron Boone <laughs> to have this, he goes to war for who is in all, all intents and purposes, a mid shortstop at best. His cap is being whatever. His offense's cap is being eh. And his defense's cap is being actually okay. But he's not been okay this year. He's been mid when he's at his peak. I've n I've been off the IKF train for about a month and a half right now. But the fact that Boone will stand by him no matter what happens. Which normally, the fact that Boone will stand by him no matter what. Which honestly, I like that in a manager. Don't get me wrong. But when a player's playing poorly, you have to do something about it. You can't just say, oh no, he's great, don't worry about it. Clearly he's not, Aaron. He's not the only reason you're losing, but he's certainly not helping. Dude, this team, when I say this team seemed, it, it feels backwards right now. With every single owner in baseball playing the win now game, every GM playing the, you know, screw service time, we're gonna get our hotshot prospects to the majors. The Yankees feel like a f***ing dinosaur. They feel like an NFL team in the... Like the Dark Ages, refusing to integrate. That's what that's what this feels like right now. The Yankees are just stuck in their ways, and it goes all the way back to the top. It goes back to Cashman. We low-key thought this was going to turn into a Yankees rant, and look where we are now. But sue us! They're five games up when a month ago they were 15 games up, and they play the Rays five more times in the next two weeks. This, oh my god, I'll throw it back to you just because I've been... Ugh, I, I need a second to like recalibrate my brain. This team, though, man, I we're going to talk about more teams that have collapsed recently, but I think not just because we're Yankees fans, but how far the Yankees have fallen. It hurts more. It hurts more. And Boone's not helping. You know, honestly, I could list many more reasons for why the Yankees are suffering right now. I mean, this week I saw in Baseball Unfortunate History, we mentioned it last week how they could have won 116 games, maybe tied that team record. They'll be lucky to even get 100 now. And look at what they were before the All-Star break. This is one of the biggest collapses in baseball history, recent history, maybe even sports history. That's how bad it is. But I'm going to sound like a dead record if I keep repeating all the information that we're spewing. And I love Oswald Peraza. I wish him nothing but the best, but he needs a better situation. And also, if I keep talking about the Yankees, I'm going to start coughing again. So I'm going to try and avoid that. <laughs> In the meantime, let's briefly go over some other teams that have suffered collapses, so that way I can uh, laugh at them instead of laughing at the Yankees. So here we go. Here's just a few teams, Tony. I probably I might hit upon them all, but whatever. You can always uh, throw in your thoughts, because I know you have something to say about them. The Minnesota Twins, now one game back of Cleveland. Not as much of a collapse, but they looked like a surefire favorite for the first two months of the year, and then, well, yeah, that didn't happen. I don't even want to get into the White Sox, because they haven't done anything good this year. <laughs> Isn't Tony Larusa like sick now? Oh yeah, he's. Uh, How was that not sparked to turn around? Probably more sick than I am, and yet, um, actually, they've won three straight games. I would like to point that out. I'm looking on the standings. <laughs> hey, they're at 500. That's something. They're only two behind the Twins. Like, yes, we're 500 again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's the White Sox' biggest accomplishment this year. Actually, their biggest accomplishment is probably playing all their players at the same time, which I don't think they have all year. But, I mean, real talk, hope Tony La Russa gets better. Hopefully he's not so sick. Yeah. But the White Sox, man, we could devote an entire segment to the White Sox season because we could complain as much as we want as Yankees fans for this <laughs> collapse. 
God damn, man. At least we had that first half. White Sox haven't had anything. Nope. Not at all. Other collapses. The Los Angeles Angels. Remember when they were in first place in the AL West? I don't, because that was an eternity ago. <laughs> oh, man. Do you remember when I wrote a buy or sell question into the show in, like, May that said, buy or sell, the Angels win the division? And we didn't <laughs> do it because... Or no, we actually might have done it. Granted, we both sold it because we're both not idiots. But the <laughs> fact that I even wrote that to begin with is kind of funny. It's just a sign of how drastically they've fallen. They're now 57 oh, and 75. A uh, oxymoron. No, that's not an oxymoron. What is that? When it, you, it's like something like is the same backwards. Like no, that is an oxymoron. What are you trying to? What? What's the saying? I, I don't know. It's like fifty-seven and seventy-five are like the same reverse. Is that an oxymoron? Wait, fifty-seven and what? Fifty-seven and seventy-five. Oh, if you reverse oh, the them, they're the same okay, thing. Uh, it's like snip, snap, snip, snap. I don't know the word, but it's like. It's like, in names like Hannah, that's the same forward and backwards. It's not important. It's not important. I'm sorry (laughs) to even bring it up. Palindrome. Noun. A word, phrase, or sequence that reads the same backwards as forwards. Palindrome. (laughs) The Diamond Uh, Duo brings you grammar for ninth grade. Jeez, maybe we'll get it right by episode 100. Any rate, moving on. Other teams that have collapsed this year. This is one team I wanted to talk about. Uh, last year's sweetheart team of Tom Bauer, the Milwaukee Brewers. I don't know why I have such an affinity for the NL Central, but um, <laughs> oh boy, at least they've helped the prophecy out this year. Milwaukee, 69 and 62. Remember, they led the division, I believe, for most of the year. Now St. Louis has a seven and a half game lead, and the Brewers aren't even in the playoff picture. Well, they are, but they're outside looking in. Dude, the fact that, granted, Hader's been trash ever since he got to San Diego, but that Josh Hader trade, I don't know if he was like the life of the party in that clubhouse. Apparently he was very well liked, because it just seems like the life got sucked out of that clubhouse, man. Guys who were hitting aren't hitting anymore. Brandon Woodruff has not been himself this year. Even Corbin Burns is starting to show signs of being human. That's just a massive yikes for me, man. I'm kind of surprised you passed up on the Tigers. Oh, oh, well, well, the Tigers have been terrible all year, so I didn't even want to acknowledge their existence. But yes, (laughs) they did have a good offseason, and now it's not really a good offseason because one of their highlighted signings was Javier Baez. And if you have any idea how Javier Baez is doing this year, well, hold hold your breath. He somehow has positive war this year, which I'm shocked by. It's 1.6. I have no idea, my guy. So he's got 100 base hits, 12 home runs, 49 RBIs, a 224 batting average, a 268 OBP, and an 83 OPS+. That's how good Javier Baez is doing. Hey, you want to know another stat to show how good Javier Baez is doing? Please. He has driven in 49 whole runs this year. Aaron Judge has hit 51 home runs this year. (laughs) I'm pretty sure he'll, what does he have, like 48 runs? And granted, we're comparing him to literally the league's MVP, but... Still. Oh, and they also signed Erod, which good oh, job. God, that's a whole different like story that I think there's more to it. So I don't even want to. I don't even want to knock on Erod because he's got some <laughs> going on. But uh, oh dear God in heaven, Tigers! What the hell happened? What other teams have collapsed? Let's see. Oh, the San Francisco Giants. Remember when they won like 108 games last year? Well, hell. <laughs> 
They're 62 and 68 this year, and the Diamondbacks have third place in the NL West. Like, I knew we kind of expected them not to win 100 games this year, but I think we expected them to be a hell of a lot better than this. I just fear that the Orioles are this year's San Francisco Giants, where they're overplaying and then they're going to collapse the next year and go back down to earth. I'm willing to bet that's not the case, if only because the Giants run last year was fueled by a bunch of 30-year-old men who were clearly having career seasons for a reason I really don't know. A bunch of Baltimore's key contributors are very, very young. But no, dude, the Giants... You heard the shock in my voice when you told me they were below the Diamondbacks now. <laughs> that that's kind of pathetic and there's not even like a one true problem the whole team just kind of went on vacation well you want to know what's pathetic so i'm looking at their team war leaders oh no their top four are all pitchers which is fine their number four is jacob junis <laughs> rodon's got to be number one rodon is number one and then it's logan webb alex cobb okay. and jacob junis and then tyro <sighs> estrada Oh my leading, god. Their leading offensive war contributor this year has 1.6 war. Tyro Estrada? I know he's been having an under-the-radar decent season, but he should not be your number one guy with the stick. I thought Jock Peterson at least would be up there. Is he there? I know he's been slumping, but... He's got 1.5 war. Uh... His numbers are better than 1.5 war, I will say that. He's got decent numbers. The Giants only have two players above two war. And it's Logan Webb and Carlos Rodon at 3.7 and uh, 4.1. And then it falls off to 1.8 with Alex Cobb. That's how bad the Giants are this year. I don't even know where you go from here because their farm system, like from memory serves, it's okay. I know they have Marco Luciano and one, they have one guy in like the top 20, like Kyle Harrison, I think is his name. I can never remember who it is because he like just, just became a top prospect, but Mm-hmm. I don't, I really don't know where the Giants go from here, dude. Two players are not going to fix that organization, especially with Joey Bart turning into more and more of a bust as time goes on. But, Well, you know what they say. Aaron Judge can solve a lot of problems. That's all I'm going to point it out there because he is a Giants. <laughs> he is from, I think he went to school at Fresno State. He's a Cali kid, so um, mm-hmm. we'll see. His favorite player growing up was Rich Aurelia, right? So, yeah, it'd be a nice big homecoming. He'd be the John Tavares of the Yankees. It'd be great. Oh, God, please just stay with the Yankees. But uh, that that's pretty much all the teams that collapsed this year. That's pretty much it, I can tell. I mean, Boston's in fifth place in the American League East, if we want to count that. That's something. I was going to bring them up just because, A, they're in fifth place. B, they're in fifth place. Sorry, I just want to say that again, because <laughs> as the Yankees have been, at least they're not the Red Sox. And C, apparently Cora and Bloom are 100% coming back next year, which... Oh, yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> At least from Bloom's standpoint. Yeah, that should lead us into our next conversation, which is um, some of the smaller stories from our week in baseball. And Alex Cora and Haim Bloom coming back is one of them. Now, Cora, or let me put it this way. I think people in Boston have much more respect for Alex Cora than they do Haim Bloom. Mainly because Cora won them a World Series, but also because he's proven time and time again he's a very good manager. Haim Bloom has not proven that he is a good leader of the Red Sox yet. Now, they had that year last year where they went to the ALCS, but like many Red Sox teams do, they overshoot, in my opinion, and then fall back down. Although when they shoot, they shoot very, very high. So not to dig at their recent history, because it sure is a lot better than the Yankees, but just wanted to point that out there, just because I hate the Red Sox. But they're insignificant this year, so it's okay. I don't know where to go with this. Tony, do you have any words you want to say about High and Bloomer Alex Cora? I mean, we kind of touched on him during the trade deadline and how 
players on his own team aren't exactly sure if he's got the team's best interest in mind, so that's something. And I mean, touching upon what you said a little further, Alex Cora brought Boston a ring and legitimacy after a god-awful 2020 and a roster that nobody expected to do anything. Like you said, he brought him to the ALCS last year. Heim Bloom is the guy who came into town, sold Mookie Betts, turned Hunter Renfro and Kyle Schwarber into Jackie Bradley Jr. and Franchi Cordero, or Bobby Dahlbeck. I saw a graphic the other day, I wish I saved it, said like, oh, Kyle Schwarber, Mookie Betts, and Hunter Renfro have X number of home runs combined. Like, if you take out, like, the Boston Red Sox as a team only have, like, a couple home runs more. If even that, I forget if they even lapped him, because I know Schwarber's leading the NL in home runs, and Renfro's actually not that far behind him. I'm not surprised that Cora is coming back. He's a fan favorite, and I will agree with you, Tom. He is a good manager. Heim coming back? Granted, it's very early into his tenure. It would be pretty, I would honestly call it brash to cut him loose right now. And apparently ownership is happy where they are. I don't know how. Fifth place doesn't seem very ideal. All right, so we got two more stories for you. Again, smaller stories this week. One of which we're going to start with somebody who's going to need some first aid on his hand. Because this dumbass continues to get even more dumbasser. Yes, I know I just... I know I just made a grammar mistake. And I didn't even say a real word when I'm talking about... A dumbass in Zach Plesak. Yes, I know I'm a dumbass too. I am self-admittedly a dumbass. <laughs> God damn That's it. what you get. Yeah, I, I know. that. That's just ironic, and I, I deserve it, but... It's the cough of contrition. I'll be saying a uh, rosary um, after I get done with my two cents about Zach Plesak. <laughs> so, dude is just a dumbass. So, apparently he <laughs> injured his hand... While pounding it, like, on the dirt or something like that, Tony, and, like, he broke his hand by punching the dirt or something, <laughs> because apparently the dirt hurt his feelings or something like that, or I don't even know what the hell the entire story is. All I know is he's hurt for a significant amount of time because he punched something, uh, a la Devin Williams. So, what actually happened was Plesak was in a start against, who was it? Yes, it was the Mariners. So, <laughs> I love this. He gives up a home run to Jake Lamb, which in 2022 is very embarrassing. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but you know when pitchers give up home runs and they go to that little squat on the mound just like to be down there and be like, oh God, I just gave up a home run. What did I do? He was in the squat and as he sees the ball go over the fence, he takes his pitching hand, makes a fist and punches the dirt. Like that's not going to hurt like hell. I mean... If he just, like, with with an open palm, just, like, bam, like, slaps the ground, depending on how hard he does it, he's probably not nearly as hurt and might not even need a stint on the injured list. But no, he goes full knuckles and all into the goddamn ground, <laughs> and now he's placed on the injured list with a right hand fracture. I, Tom, how is it in the past two years? We've had four of these. You already dropped Devin Williams, that... Already eliminated him from the playoffs last year. We have Huascar Yanoa, who punched a dugout wall and was out for a couple months. And then Jesus Lizardo, who's probably still my favorite. What did he punch? Like a table playing Call of Duty or something? Oh, and he broke God. his hand? Hang on. I need to look that up. <laughs> I need to, I need a verification. I need a verification. I know, I know the story, but I forget how the hell he broke it because it was hilarious. I'm positive he was playing video games. I, I could have some worn. That he got angry. So it was a hairline fracture of his pinky. Yeah, when he thumped the table while playing a video game before his start. <laughs> I don't... See, what I don't get, why do pitchers always... Isn't it 
taught from like your time in Little League to protect your throwing hand. You know, if you go up to protect yourself from a comebacker, you gotta throw your glove out there, not your bare hand. And if you're, you know, if you hit something, don't put too much pressure on your throwing hand because you kind of need that to throw things. For instance, a baseball. <laughs> I, just slam your mitt down on the ground, dude. It's not that hard. It's literally just your other hand. Or better yet, don't have a temper tantrum at all. Oh yeah, that's a better idea. <laughs> God, I, I yes. love Cleveland because they've had such weird injuries, like, in the recent years. I, like, I remember, like, in their World Series run, Dumbass of the Year, um, whose name will not be repeated um, <laughs> until his suspen suspension is over, like, f***ed up his hand on a drone. That's really the only weird injury I can remember from Cleveland, but I just find it ironic because they were in the same rotation at one point. Oh, yeah, your namesake, that's right. Wait, was he in the same rotation? Uh, at some point, I believe, I believe they interjected, and yeah, same namesake, no relation. Again, pointing that out there. <laughs> I don't know him. I never have known him. I love that we can actually have an actual list of pitchers who have punched something in rage and broke their hand doing it. There's definitely more outside of those four, but the fact that that happened in the past two years is amazing. Oh, Jesus. Just sweet irony. But speaking of sweet irony, actually, this isn't really irony, it's more just... <laughs> Let, let's phrase it this way sometimes your body needs iron so that way it can uh recuperate itself and some people like to take it a step uh, like to take it a step up and to recuperate mm -hmm. themselves and to make themselves better they take something called peds a la fernando tatis jr and the dodgers had something up their sleeves that i found a absolutely hilarious when they were playing the padres tony take it away so the story goes like this the padres are in town in los angeles to play the dodgers and the Dodgers, mind you, this is the same organization that threw an inflatable trash can onto the field when the Astros came to town. Yeah, they <laughs> threw an inflatable PED onto the field with the Padres <laughs> in town. I, Tom, you sent this to the group last night. I'm going to pull it up again because what is it? It's like it's a jar that says PED on it. It looks like a blood vial that would be like taken out by blood donors after someone's done donating blood. I, I love that more than words can possibly imagine i mind you they lost the game too you darvish pitched like god himself which by the way got to 3,000 international strikeouts yesterday between usa and japan so congratulations to you <laughs> literally congratulations to you oh fantastic. my god <laughs> fantastic accomplishment for you oh man when people sing him the happy birthday song that must be there's one pun master in there that's laughing to himself every single time. <laughs> but yeah, congrats to you, Darvish. But oh my god, back to the Dodgers. I f***ing love that, man. It's so petty. They were losing the game. Tatis literally isn't even going to be on a big league field till what, like May or June of next year? At the earliest, provided he doesn't take his motorcycle for a joyride again in the offseason. I, I just love that. Such a great troll. Like, the Dodgers lost the battle, but they won the war last night. That the war on drugs. Don't do drugs, kids. That's the message at the end of the day. Uh, now the FDA can be happy at us. Also, please sponsor us. We could use the money. Um, <laughs> please sponsor us, Food and Drug Administration. We'll talk all about how kids shouldn't do drugs. Exactly. You know, we can tie it into so many different things. Um, one thing we can't tie it into, though, is Teams of the Month. And oh boy, howdy, we're making a return with that. Now, unfortunately, my streak was kind of ruined last time when some voters voted in Tony's favor instead of in my favor because they were completely dead wrong. Um, that's what you think. Well, that's what I think, but also, 
we're doing things a little bit differently this time around. Tony, please explain the changes to our setup because we're tired of having this guy who drafts second always win. <laughs> That's correct. So we're implementing two new things into our draft here. One of them is a two-minute timer, and we'll have two minutes both to pick and explain our pick if we actually run the two minutes in terms of picking. Like, if I pick at, like, one minute, 50 seconds in, you know, I doubt I will. A little bit of grace period will be given, obviously, because I can't explain a pick in 10 seconds, really. Unless I can, and I'm just really talented. Well, I don't if know, we're, we'll if we're I mean, the two-minute timer I mainly implemented for us, so that way it doesn't take an hour for us to do an entire draft. <laughs> I mean, if we exp I mean, if we want to make it a two-minute timer for everything, that'd be great, but um, we'll give some grace period for uh, that timer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So a two-minute timer, mostly just so Tom and I aren't editing out large swaths of silence of us saying, hmm, you know, let me look up his stats. Which, granted, it, like, it, it tickles me pink when that happens because then the audio file is, you know, a couple minutes shorter than it actually is, but still, don't pay any mind to the fact that I said tickle pink, by the way. Uh, but the next change we're going to make, and the biggest one, is we're doing away with the one two 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 format. In that whoever gets the first overall pick used to just pick one. Then whoever got the second overall pick also got the third overall pick. So in lieu of this, we are going to be doing a traditional one 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 draft. I don't know what, I know the what we used to do was called the snake draft. I don't know what this draft is called, sue me. So... Basically, whoever picks, it's traditional draft. If I get the first overall pick, I get number one, Tom gets number two, I get number three, Tom gets number four, and we're going to go back and forth picking one player each until all necessary positions are filled. When I say necessary positions, I mean we each have a DH, so we can't just, you know, pull a sneaky and take someone else's position that they might need, and... We're down to, okay, you know, I have my DH, you picked your second baseman, I still need mine. When there's no, basically when there's no way we could screw each other over by picking, we're going to go back to the traditional two at a time. And we're going to kind of, you know, expedite it like normal because obviously there's no weight in screwing each other over. We'll just pick who we pick, explain why, explain how good they were in August, and go from there. So, obviously... Team of the month for August. We're going to be picking the best possible players for August in case this is your first time. It'll be a full nine-man diamond with a DH. And a DH could be anyone who is still currently on the board regardless of position. One starter, one closer. You could figure it out from there. It's quite simple. Tom, do you have anything else to add before we entrust our fate to the giant plastic dime? I would love to just hope that I finally get the first overall pick by the coin for once. Jesus Christ, I've never gotten it <laughs> by the coin or Siri. You say normally I'd say you can have it, but with this format, I think I actually want the first overall pick. Exactly. But, so, here we go. I have my large, comically large plastic dime that we're going to flip. Tom, I will, I'll, I'll leave you to call it. What would you like, heads or tails? Tails. All right, here we go. Tom has called tails and... It is Tails. Oh! Look at that! You get to pick David Fletcher with the first overall pick. How lucky are you? Uh, no, I wouldn't. Tony, please give me a two-minute timer uh, while I, I get my two-minute timer ready. I will in just a moment. I just want to pull out my handy-tandy notes app so we can tell uh, <laughs> which players we choose because that's a good thing. Yeah, I'm going to do that as well. Tell me that when you're ready happily. and I will make the first pick. Sounds good. I'm going to just preemptively, uh, preemptively, preemptively write Fletcher because, come on, I know where you're going with this. 
Oh, I don't think you do. Back from the 60-day IL. Oh, I I know where you're going with this. Come on. Do you really? Yes, really. Are you sure? Yes. I'm ready, by the way. So I'm going to hold the two-minute timer up to Tom. I am positive. And I'm also positive for holding up a timer to your face. So are you ready, Tom? I am ready. Three, two, one. Your timer starts now. With the first overall pick in the teams of the month of August 2022 draft, Tom is selecting none other than Albert Pujols with the first overall pick. Now, did you expect me to go there, Tony? Is that the guy who you expected? Are you joking? I am not joking. Okay, you actually did catch me by surprise. (laughs) What? I am not joking. You might have forgotten that Albert Pujols put on a month enough half so much so that he realistically can hit 700 home runs this year now he really only is a platoon against lefties that's why he's only got about 59 at bats at the time of this recording compared to other guys that have maybe 80 something or 100 but his numbers are just as good as those other guys only hitting against one type of pitcher eight home runs ties the lead league for the month with Aaron Judge 17 RBIs a 373 batting average a 433 OBP 831 slugging, and this doesn't qualify, but it would lead a 1264 OPS. Oh yeah, baby. I'm taking a designated hitter first, and it's Albert Pools. Prophecy me, baby. Wow, you you know what? I did expect, and you were under two minutes, by the way. Nicely done. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> minute and a half, actually. Uh, so, I gotta admit, you went the direction in terms of the team I thought you were gonna go for... <laughs> I'll be honest, but you did not hit the player that I thought you were going to hit. And you know what? You're not going to be able to take that player because get your timer ready. I'm going to make my decision. It is started. Why did I say it like that? I don't know. So I already know who I'm going to pick. I'm just literally pulling up stats because it's taking forever. There we go. All right. With my first overall pick in the draft, actually, you know, I was going to pick someone and then I saw someone who might be a little better at the position. Uh Uh-oh. If Fangraphs would not show me ads in my face, that'd be great. Oh my god, come on. Please, computer, we're trying to <laughs> actually do something with time here. Thank you. <laughs> okay, there we go. All right, with the first overall pick, I am going to take... Actually, yeah, screw Second it. I'm going to take... Pick. Oh, well, sorry. My first overall pick, Mr. Tony go. Pugliese's first overall pick. Ah, uh, this is tough. You're at one minute, by the way. I'll take Nolan Arenado. Screw it. I was debating someone else, but Nolan Arenado, by the figure of war, is actually doing a little better than the other third baseman I was looking at. And Arenado's just been fantastic throughout August. He slashed 347, 380, and 663, good for an OPS well north of 1,000. And in terms of weighted runs created plus, which is like OPS plus, but it just takes a different factor into account, he is sitting at 215, which again, 100 is league average. That's fantastic. Throw in gold glove, screw it, platinum glove level defense at the hot corner. That puts his war at 2.4. That is the most of any player in August. Nolan Arenado went from maybe a top 10 MVP finisher to low-key number two behind Goldie. So Arenado has been, to me, the best third baseman in the NL by far since the All-Star break. There's other competitors, obviously, but Nolan, coupled that hitting with that defense, has been fantastic. I'm going to double down on the prophecy and take him with my first pick. And you know what? I'm going to throw this out there. Just this will stay in the episode. The war I was using was F-War, Fangraph's war. That's different from the metric we normally use in baseball reference war. 
I strictly chose it because it's got a more concise list of who's good in August. All right, sir, you have the next pick. Let me know when you want me to start that timer. You can start the timer. We're technically on track now. Here you go. Thank you, sir. All right, so I'm just going to quickly go through the consideration because we're on a two-minute timer that I'm going to be making an outfielder selection here, and it's going to be Mookie Betts with my uh, next pick. Now, he's not only one of the league leaders in OPS for the month of, I was going to say October, but it's August. He's actually sixth in that category at 1042, one hair behind Nolan Arenado at five, but he's also amassed 2.1 war, nine home runs, 18 RBIs, five stolen bases. He's driven in 30 runs because he's a run-producing god, a 330 average, a 383 OBP, 697 slugging. He's doing amazing, amazing things in the month of August, and he'll continue to make that into September and October because we all know the Dodgers are going to be going on probably a very long run in the postseason. Tom, I would say start your timer because I'm going to pick, but I'm not even going to need it, and I'm also going to thank you profusely for passing on Alex (laughs) Bregman. Yeah, I was thinking about that, but I decided I, against it. I, you know what? I'm going to pull a great big f*** you move and do the whole DH thing. I know you always double up third baseman <laughs> on me. I think in the teams of the first half, who'd you pick? You picked like Arenado and Devers, I think. Well, screw you. Now I'm picking Arenado and Alex Bregman. So suck on that, I guess. He's my DH because obviously Arenado's not DHing. In all respects, Alex Bregman has probably been the best hitter in August. Screw that, not probably, he is. With subpar defense, he kept up with Arenado in the war department. Arenado at 2.4, F-War, Bregman sits at 2 even. Bregman's weighted run... <laughs> was that? Bregman's weighted <laughs> runs created plus is right up there with 217. That's ridiculous. Slash line goes 262, uh, sorry, 362, 452, 681. That's ridiculous. Couple, a couple that with a walk rate at almost 15% and a K rate well below 10. Yeah, I don't know what Alex Bregman just did to burst onto the scene here in August. He's been kind of whatever all year, and he's kind of been whatever since that 2019 near MVP season, but he showed flashes of that MVP season all throughout August. Pains me to see someone on the Astros, especially someone so, 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 so tightly knit close to that cheating scandal, do so well. But when building a Teams of the Month, I cannot pass up Bregman. I'm plugging in my DH right now, and that'll be Alex Bregman. So you're going to use Alex Bregman for your DH? Well, I'm going to go and take a first baseman. And guess what? We're going to stick on the trend of taking Prophecy members, and that's going to be Paul Goldschmidt. I'm going to be taking with my next pick. 1.8 war amassed in the month. And I was actually split and torn between another player who's got superior, I guess you could say, splits. But overall, I like Goldschmidt's game a little bit better when you take a look at all of the stuff combined. Nine home runs, 27 RBIs, 25 runs driven in, 343, 448, 667 uh, slash, a OPS of 1149 for the month of August for Paul Goldschmidt. So I'm very satisfied with taking Paul Goldschmidt as my first baseman for the month of August. All right, fair enough. Now, I'm very conflicted where I want to go with my next pick because... I want an outfielder, but there's two I'm between right now. You know what? I've picked Goldschmidt in, like, three teams of the months, like, so far this year, it seems like. (laughs) So you finally got the chance to pick him? I'm not giving you the chance to pick my staple outfielder. I'm taking Aaron Judge. I knew it. So, I'm dead serious. This guy's been in my outfield, like, three times. Yeah, I've taken him once, and that's about it. 
So, ha, you don't get him. Hey, you Oh, my him. God. The <laughs> Honestly, do I even need to explain why Aaron Judge is good at this point? I mean, WRC plus above 200 all throughout August. War almost at two. He's at 1.8 slashed 289. 458 for the on-base clip. Jesus Christ. And 633 hit his 50th home run this month. He has a very legitimate chance to catch Roger Maris. Honestly, he goes on one of these crazy home run kicks like he has throughout, well, the entire year. I wouldn't be surprised if he did it. What else is there to say? It's Aaron Judge. He's been on pretty much every team of the month, regardless of whether it's mine or Tom's, so far this year. He's great. He's the MVP. If anyone tells you it's Shohei, they're a goddamn liar. <laughs> Next pick. Oh, you were done. I wasn't ready for that. Um... I Surprise. I Literally, cause what else do you want me to say? Aaron Judge is fantastic. <laughs> You've just made three picks, sir, correct? That is correct. All right. So where do I go from here? Hmm. You should pick Yandy Diaz. I should, but that would be terrible, so I'm not going to do that. No, I'm going to do Tony. I'm going to be I'm going to be a generous person, okay? What's that? Or how's I'm, that? I'm going to be generous because I'm going to take a catcher right now, and that means you can't have him. Okay. So I, I don't know where I don't know where I was going with this. I had something built in my head that would be a lot bigger, and it, it really wasn't. Um, I'm going to be taking Sean Murphy, actually, here with my okay. next pick. It could be a different pick than you might think, but I'm not feeling good, so you know what? F*** it. My mind is all scattered, so I'm just going to take Sean Murphy here. Five home runs, 12 runs, 17 RBIs, 330, 422, 553 slash, 1.7 war on the month. Oh, I don't know why I honestly went with a catcher here, but you know what? I don't really care. No. Hey, that's that's fine with me. Gives me a chance to pick, actually, not that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why I went with catcher. That was a stupid decision, probably. Hey, you know what? That's You do you, man. That's fine with me, because it helps me out greatly. Although it does leave the door just swinging open. I don't know where the hell I'm going to go next. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I don't know if that. you... I don't know if you're on this page. Uh, oh, I should probably write it down, too. Oh, no, I did already. Tom, I don't know if you're on this page on MLB.com. So many of the top players are either third baseman or first baseman. It's just now dawning on me how, oh, yeah. few, how few middle infielders there actually are. There's not even a shortstop on this list. Like, on the first <laughs> page, anyway. And graphs, it's the same thing. That's actually kind of funny. Uh, but do I want to take a shortstop now? There's a part of me that kind of doesn't. Because there is just another outfielder out here that is just, you know, he's right there. Yeah, screw it. I'm going to take, with my next pick, I'm going to take Randy Arozarena with this pick. Interesting. So, this is a guy who, I'm going to be honest, y'all, I had no idea he was doing so good as of late. I just saw the Rays were doing good, and I figured, you know, he's just, you know, another cog in that machine. He's not really a superstar in the same level as, say, an Aaron Judge or a Mike Trout or a Mookie Betts. He's in that, like, next echelon down or so. But this month, he goddamn played like he was in that upper echelon. Sixth in MLB over the past month with WRC+. Plus. Everyone above him has either been drafted already or one is just another position that I might take later. We'll see. But he's just under 200 at 198 WRC+. Plus. Again, same as OPS+. Plus in essence, slash line is 327, 421, 602. He actually, well, he actually did way better just on the whole than I thought. He had six home runs, drove in 21. He's a big part of why the Rays are surging right now, and I'm definitely sticking him in uh, center field. Interesting. You just took another outfielder, and you know what? I think it's time for me to take another outfielder here, Tony. 
And this okay. guy just so happens to be in the top 10 of OPS for the month of August, and that is Michael Harris, the center fielder of the Atlanta Braves, who I'll probably have to move around to maybe right field or left field, or maybe I'll move Mookie Betts over. I don't know. Either way, he's in my outfield. Michael Harris on the month. Six home runs, 22 runs driven in, 15 RBIs, five stolen bases, doing a little bit of everything, 337, 400, 589 slash, 1.6 war, one of the top 10 war leaders in terms of the month of August. I'm very happy to put the youngster in my outfield, representing Tom Bauer very well. That's an interesting pick. I know he got rookie of the month, him and I believe George Kirby. I got to see where I'm going next, though, because this this is a tough one. See, a part of me wants to attack that middle infield, and another part of me wants to go someplace completely different. Okay, I am going to choose my second baseman. I'm going to go with a guy, again, who I didn't know was as good as he was, at least throughout August. And that's all-star starter Jeff McNeil. McNeil has quietly been putting together fantastic numbers towards the bottom of that Mets lineup. Why he's batting so low usually? Don't ask me. But when I see a guy batting almost 400, he's hitting 385 Holy over the past shit. God damn. With a with a 414 OBP and a 560 slugging. Obviously he's not, you know, the greatest power hitter. I think he's only hit like what, three home runs? Uh, uh, where is he? Two. I see two. I see two on fan graphs, so I'll go with that. I was gonna say he only hit two home runs, so he's obviously not gonna be there for a ton of power. But his bat to ball skills, man, are immaculate this year. There is a there's another second baseman I could have gone with, and you're most likely gonna go with. I was up in the air between them two, but honestly, McNeil's ridiculously high average makes it pretty obvious that he's the right choice. He's actually at 1.7 WAR, so he's playing good defense too. So I'm putting the Mets second baseman on my team. All right, now I'm in an interesting position of where the f*** do I go from here? So I need <laughs> to try and remember. What's that? No, I'm saying, yeah, we're in those middle rounds. It's that, here comes those swaths of silence, let's say. Pretty much. So I think what I kind of almost want to do is go for, um, who do I want to go for here? Who do you want to go for? It's a great question, Tony. Um, maybe it's maybe it's David Fletcher. You need that second baseman. You love David Fletcher so much this month. You should have. You should just take him for your team. I think. But I already took my second baseman. I wanted to leave him for you, man. I'm, I'm, I'm just that good a friend. Oh, uh, you know that's glorious of you. Now I think I'm gonna go pitcher here, and I'm okay. kind of torn between two different pitchers, and one of them you'll probably take, and it's just a matter of whose numbers I like ever so slightly better because they're pretty much interchangeable with how good they are and you know what i think i am going to go with the guy on my gut he doesn't have the better era but he is as dominant as any other pitcher in the big leagues just because of his namesake alone it's jacob Degrom. i'm going to be taking him as my starting pitcher he i believe leads the league in strikeouts for the month yes he does at 49 his next biggest competitor is at 41 He's got the second uh, lowest war at 0.54, which is only one shy away of the lead at 0.53. He's got a 4-1 record, a 2-0-1 ERA in those five games pitched. Again, 49 strikeouts compared to only three walks. Very, very impressive. And yeah, he's just looked dominant in his return to the mound since recovering from his injury and is in prime position to help the Mets going forward and helping my team hopefully uh, eke out a victory in this Teams of the Month. So in that case... There's a part of me that wants to go closer, but 
cards on the table. I don't have closer stats pulled up, so I'm probably going to pull them up when Tom's picking next. So I can go a couple different places here, particularly left field and shortstop. Hmm. There's two shortstops I'm looking at, but there's really only one guy I want for left. There's one guy I've been looking at. It's a bit of a stretch to put him there. I'll say that just right off the rip, but also kind of a power move that I don't think Tom's expecting and I want to do it. Oh, I forgot to start your timer. <laughs> you know what? It's okay. I'm going to choose now anyway. I'm going to pull out my trump card now because this might be a stretch. If you, if you shoot this down, I'll understand. Would you sue me if I wanted to put Shohei Otani in left? It depends if he's played left field at all this year. That's the big thing I've got. If he's played the outfield this year, then I can accept it. If not, you'd have to put him at DH. I feel like that would be appropriate. Who's my DH? F it's Bregman. Yeah. Okay, because... Because I know he's played outfield at some point it is a this year. It is a very good thing, but I was reserving picking him just in case he hasn't played the outfield. Let me uh, check for you. I'm I'm legit going on baseball reference right now because if this works out, I'm picking him right now. He's only played DH and pitched. This whole year? This whole year, yep. Uh, be a dumbass. Put him in the outfield. Yeah, I'm... I'm going to restart the timer, but, uh, yeah, no, that would have been a very good pick, though, Tony. I was thinking about that, but then I realized, oh, I picked Albert Pujols first overall, so I can't do that anymore. <laughs> I mean, I'm fine with my DH as Bregman. I just, oh, well, I'll survive. In that case, I'll just wait to pick another outfielder. I'll go with my shortstop then. I'm going to take Corey Seager of the Texas Rangers as my shortstop. Now, you kind of see what I mean when I say there's no real shortstop that broke out in the same way as, say, a lot of corner infielders have. But really, that's no knock against Corey Seager, even though it low-key kind of sounded like one. Sorry, Corey, if you're <laughs> listening, even though I know you're not. So Corey Seager has definitely been, at least in my eyes, the most valuable shortstop throughout all of August. There was one crazy tear he went on when he hit like four home runs in five games. I would know. He's on my fantasy team. Shameless plug. But definitely the best hitting shortstop. He's got a WRC plus of 138. Defense has actually been kicked up a notch. 1.3 defensive war. That brings him just over one at 1.1. Slash line goes 273, 352, 482. And on the home run clip, he's got a clean five with 17 ribbies. The Texas Rangers might be sputtering, but Seager had himself a damn good August, and I'm more than fine putting him at my shortstop position. So now we're in an interesting predicament of I think we only need to fill out one more position for us to start really doing this rapid fire. So I think so. Cl closer is the only one we haven't touched. That and like how many outfielders do you have left actually? We each have one, one right? outfield. Yeah, we each have one outfielder left from our okay. um, from what I can gather. Gotcha. So it just depends whether I want one guy over the other guy more. See, I know who you'll take. If I don't take, I know who you'll take in both ways, but you know what? I think there's backup options. I can go with outfield. I'm going to pick my closer now. Okay. And Tony, do you know who, um, do you know who comes out to Farmer in the Dell? Do I know who what? Who comes out to, uh, the Farmer in the Dell from the show The Wire? I actually have never seen The Wire. Well, if you knew The Wire, you would have known that it takes place in Baltimore. Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Uh, and that is Felix Bautista. He is the closer <laughs> of the Baltimore Orioles, and he's going to be the closer on my team of the month. In my damn opinion, it. the best closer in the month of August, and I don't even know if it's super close. There's one other guy who I might put up there, but Bautista's numbers are undeniably better. He's got 
a 1-0 record this month, a .63 ERA, 8 saves, which leads baseball in the month of August. He's got 18 Ks to 3 walks. He's only given up one run, whip of .63, holds his batting opponents to a batting average of 125. Oh yeah, baby, I'm picking Felix Bautista, and I have no regrets about it. You son of a bitch. That was going to be my sneaky pick, too. What do you mean your sneaky I, pick? That He's clearly the best in, in baseball. I, I know, but MLB's relievers of the month were Classe and Diaz for some reason. I mean, that at least Diaz stupid. makes... Make, at least Diaz makes some sense. He's like the only NL closer up here outside of maybe like Daniel. But actually, Kenley's. Oh my God, a four ERA. Never mind. Yeah, I was about okay, to Diaz say. Diaz made some sense. Yeah. Uh, huh, well, <laughs> that. <laughs> okay, so is now the time where we should be pairing twos now? Since I need one, I need both pitchers and. Well, like, let's make it outside even of maybe because outfielders. let's make it even because you were the second overall pick. Pick who you want now, and then okay. we'll see how we can go from there. Sounds good. In that case, I am 100% going to snag my outfielder, uh, just so you can't have him. Uh, yeah, who's course. left? Who is actually left? I could, I could take Lars Newtbar. <laughs> <laughs> that should be really funny. Uh, he's low-key been at the savior of my fantasy team, by the way, this past week. I don't know if I'm going to take Lars, though. Hmm. I could, for the sake of the prophecy, oh, but I it'd gotta, be funny. Yeah, I got to get the time wrapping going. You go right ahead. I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick my guy now, though. My final outfielder, I'm going to stick him in left. I know he's played left this year, by the way. This is actually going to be someone, I don't know if you consider, this is going to be Eloy Jimenez as my left fielder. <laughs> as horrible as the White Sox have been, Eloy, coming back from injury, has been pretty damn good. Throughout all of August, he is hitting 371, 6, uh, 6, 461, and 505. So a bit of a dearth in power, unfortunately, for Jimenez. He's only got three home runs. Obviously, he's got the potential for many, many more, but he is still hitting it really hard. He's a doubles machine, basically, at this point of the year. His defense is... Oh, wait, wrong guy. Sorry. Oh, God, he's actually a such a liability defensively. Negative three defensive war. Jesus. I think I'd be better, I think I'd be better off playing Bregman and left. Jesus, didn't he play left at one point of the year? Well, uh, not year. Sorry, his, his career. If he know. did, that's great, but that doesn't count. I, I'm not putting him in left, but... Yeah. Jesus Christ, I, if I was an actual manager, I'd try that, Jesus Eloy, but nevertheless, the bat more than makes up for the fielding, 182 WRC plus is fantastic, as bad as the White Sox are right now, Jimenez shines like a diamond in the rough, so I'll take him to fill out my outfield. Gotcha, so now I believe we each have positions that we need to fill that we haven't yet filled on the other side yet, I need a shortstop and a second baseman, no, it's also a left field no. in third i need i believe i need yeah we each need four so if we do just two more rounds where we each pick two because i need both my pitchers a catcher and a first baseman perfect so then let's knock this out of the park right now i'm gonna go with two here and i'm gonna start with the guy who's accumulated the fourth most war in the month of august manny machado as my third baseman pretty much at this rate it's either Aaronado or machado who are taking that third with the exception of a jay rammer or devers but uh, machado's been fantastic he's the san diego padres savior this year Six home runs, 28 RBIs, 20 runs he's driven in. Clip 342, 395, 615, and 1.9 war. Great stuff by him. I believe he's got a ho, a ho, a high o, OPS too, which is actually fourth in the big leagues this month, which is above Nolan Arenado's, believe it or not, at 1047. Now, Tony, I'm actually very, very happy you passed up on Lars Newtbar because I did not want Eloy Jimenez. I wanted Lars Newtbar on my team. 
Five home runs, 15 RBIs, three stolen bases, 22 runs driven in, 284, 421, 588 clip, 1.6 war on the month of August, which that war, 11th highest in the league. All right, fair enough. With my rapid fire little progression right here, I'm going to knock out both my pitchers. I'm actually going to start with my starter right here, and it's going to be the guy that I am willing to bet you passed on, Tom. I'm just typing his name in now. I already know who it is. So yeah, I'm going to start with my starter. Like I said, Jimenez is the one bright spot of the White Sox. Zach Gallen, or I guess I guess you can't really say this with how good the Diamondbacks have been lately, but he's been the one bright spot of their pitching. I'll say that. I genuinely think Zach Gallen, like as good as DeGrom has been when it comes to being a strikeout artist, I think it's kind of hard to argue that Gallen has been anything other than the best pitcher in baseball the past month. He's allowed the fewest runs when it comes to qualified starters. His ERA is .68, which is a little ridiculous considering he plays for the Diamondbacks and the rest of their pitching staff is so anemic. His strikeout stuff, not the best. I think DeGrom's K per nine was over 13 and Gallon doesn't even crack 10. But as a result, his walk rate is also very, very low. And he's just been great at limiting base runners too. His whip is very, very low. Wow. Yeah, I'm picking Zach Gallon as my starter. I genuinely think he's been better than DeGrom in everything other than strikeouts. Now, closer, you took my sleeper pick with Felix Bautista. I'm going to go with the next best thing, and I think that's easily going to be Emmanuel Classe, closer of the Cleveland Guardians. Seven saves in seven opportunities, an ERA of .87, which is ridiculous for a closer. His whip is actually lower than Bautista. Classe's is .48, and Bautista's is .63. Fewer strikeouts on Classe's part, but still got 11 throughout an entire month for a closer who pitches every now and then that's still really good. He's holding opponents to a 139 batting average. He's so good. Honest to God, I think he's the best closer in baseball this year, not named Edwin Diaz. Like, Clay Holmes was great in the first half. Ryan Helsley was too. I don't know how Helsley's been lately, actually. He's not on this, he's not on this board from what I'm seeing. Oh, no, he, he got three saves and a 2-7 ERA. So, yeah, I'll put Colossae up there. Screw it. Regardless of where he is in the standings, he is 110% going to be my closer for my team of the month. All right, Tony. So I'm going to narrow down my final two guys right now to join my team. And here they are. I need a second baseman and I need a shortstop. I'll pull the Band-Aid off with my shortstop first because I think it's a little bit more clear for me. And that's going to be the leading war getter in short stops for the month of August. That's Francisco Lindor. Four home runs, 15 RBIs, four stolen bases, and 20 runs driven in. A pretty modest uh, and respectable stat stat line. It is stats. A slash line of 286, 372, and 420. Just please. And again, the aforementioned 1.3 war. Alrighty. And Tony, my second baseman for the month of August. Drumroll, please. Jose Altuve. Now, I know I hate picking Jose Altuve here. Almost went with Andres Jimenez, but Altuve's got better numbers, I think, outside of stolen bases, primarily. They both have 1.3 war on the year, Altuve, and on the year, in the month of August. They also both have the same number of home runs at 3, RBIs, 11, and stolen bases again, Jimenez has 7, Altuve has 3. Altuve, though, does have better in the following. Runs, 19 compared to 11 of Jimenez. The rest of these numbers are just better regardless. I'm not going to bear uh, saying Jimenez's numbers. A 330-412 and 540 slash line for the month of August for Mr. Jose Altuve. I might hate his little ass, but you know what? F*** it. Why not? He'll have a place on Tom's team of 
August. All right, and for my last two picks, I'm going to fill in first base and catcher. I'm going to do first base first because, guys, guys, I don't know why Tom passed on Nathaniel Lau to go for Paul Goldschmidt. Don't get me wrong. Like, do not get my words twisted. Paul Goldschmidt is the NL MVP and a fantastic first baseman and a fine choice. But then you look at the August that Nate Lau has had, or sorry, Nathaniel Lau, and you wonder, where the hell was this guy all year? I I'm dead serious. I talked about Jeff McNeil almost hitting 400 for the month. So was Lau. 389 average, 450, and mother of God, a 648 slugging percentage. Good for a 215 WRC plus and 1.6 war. I, oh, he's a terrible defensive first baseman. That definitely brings him down. But what brings him up is seven home runs, including, I think, a pair he hit in Coors Field. Definitely a good, like, base for his, how good his August was. Nate Lau is my first baseman. And my catcher, last but most certainly not least, is going to be Philly's backstop, JT Romuto. Definitely not as good of a month as Murphy from an offensive standpoint, but when you look at the two defensively, they are very, 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 very comparable. 1.7 war on the month for Murphy. Romito is not far behind with 1.5. That small a difference in war really doesn't matter that much. Romito hit 303, 351, 596 for a catcher. That's ridiculous. 158 WRC plus, an absolutely fantastic month for Romito, who's kind of low-key been the engine for this little Phillies surge they've got going on. You know, Harper's the missing piece coming back from injury, but Romito, ever since the All-Star break, has just been consistent as hell. Much, much better than he was in the first half, and more than worthy of the final spot of my team of the month. And that'll just about do it for our Teams of the Month segment for August. God damn, I actually think I built a damn good team this time, Tom. I think you're screwed. Just... No, I actually so. think we're more evenly... I mean, we're usually very evenly stacked, but I do think we do... We're as evenly stacked as we've ever been with these Teams you're of the right. Month. Low-key, we're probably going to keep this format, if not a slightly revised version for Teams of September or Teams of the Year, whichever we decide to do. Low-key, probably Teams of the Year. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there. As is custom, please remember to vote on Twitter and Instagram when the polls do come out. Obviously, we'll post it about a day or so after we post the actual episode. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And we'll decide a winner in the next episode. We surely will. All right, so now for some final thoughts on this episode before we wrap up. Tony, I just wanted to bring up these down bad stories that we can call them. So one of them... <laughs> has to do with a failed proposal, and the other one has to do with a failed, I guess, let's just say this guy got inserted into the friend zone, a zone that you do not want to get into if you're trying to pursue a relationship <laughs> with somebody. But essentially, I'll say the friend zone story. I'll let you save uh, the other Mr. Downbad uh, for a second. I believe his name was Mark, was at a Brewers game, I believe on Tuesday of this past week, and they had, like, the happy birthdays or whatever, like, on the monitor, like, the relationship crap. And somebody put, Mark, I essentially some shared something like, Mark, I love you as a friend. Let's stay friends. Friend zoned. Yeah. That instantly <laughs> caught fire on Twitter. But the story doesn't end there because I believe it was Christian Yelich that said this. <laughs> he said, because I believe they rallied and won that night. And they said they looked up at the scoreboard in the eighth and they said, you know what? We're going to win this for Mark in the friend zone officially, and the Brewers went on to win for it. That's probably their best win of the year, considering of how they have fallen 
over the course of the year. Definitely the best win of the second half for the Brewers. Tony, what's the proposal story? Because this one is more f***ed up. This one, this made me hurt inside. I don't know if I've ever hurt, ever felt so much secondhand embarrassment, but it was a Brooklyn Cyclones game, you know, double-A game for the Mets, and this poor sap brings his girlfriend on the field and proposes to her in the whole big sappy way. It says, will you marry me on the board? And the woman said no. Now, this is like one of those instances, it's like on a special era, a special level of secondhand embarrassment where you feel nothing but sympathy for this poor guy. Like, we don't even know his name. We knew Mark's name on the Brewers Jumbotron, but at least Mark, you know, he'll have another chance. He's in the friend zone, but he could try with someone else. And better yet, this guy. better yet, he has anonymity because we don't know if Mark is even his real name. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a face or anything to attach to Mark. This guy, we've got a face to attach to. Could you imagine if it was just a fake name? Like he changed his <laughs> name after being friend-zoned at the Brewers game. <laughs> God, if I was this guy, though, I'd change my name after that failed proposal. It just seemed, it's so sad. I don't. We obviously don't know the full story, but I feel so bad for this guy. John Boy put out a breakdown and it was revealed the girl said, what the f*** are you doing to him? I just, like, my, I didn't even watch the video fully. My heart goes out to that dude. That's, God, that's brutal. But, I don't know, I guess maybe don't propose at minor league ballparks. Like, major league ballparks, at least if you ask me, are already tacky enough. God, if you're going to do it, at least do it at the big league level. But still, pour, pour one out for our fallen soldier. That's absolutely, <laughs> that's so sad. Again, we don't know anything behind the relationship, so I'm going to keep this to, oh boy, that sucks for you. But at the same time, we don't see the other side of the story. So my thoughts are probably going to remain very neutral until we find out, like, the specifics of the relationship. Like, how long have they been together? Like, does this person even like baseball? Did this person imagine the proposal somewhere else, like at a cliffside or something like that, presumably to maybe push the guy off of for proposing at a minor league ballpark? <laughs> that was f***ed up, just, I'm sorry. <laughs> she just, this is Sparta's him off the cliff? <laughs> That's the punishment yes. he gets? God damn it. Watch they've I've only been out like a year. That would be, that would be, oh my God. Then I'd feel bad for her if it came out that he, that they went out for like a year. Oh dear God, could you imagine? Obviously that's none of our business. We're not going to like pry and find out, but still that's just, that's just a terrible situation. Oh, it more than certainly is. But uh, that's enough of being down bad on the Diamond Duo podcast. Tony, before we <laughs> wrap up, any wise words you would like to impart to our listeners? Oh, I don't know if I'd call them wise uh, or words, frankly. I don't have a ton much else to add. Just, we're in the home stretch at long last. Enjoy the prospects that are coming up, except, you know, <laughs> Yankees if they actually play them. But, mm -hmm. yeah, no, let's enjoy this last postseason push. Let's let's get crazy. This end of the season ought to be wild. It most certainly will be. I can't believe it's September, but believe it, it sure as is. Thank you for listening to episode 40 of the Diamond Duo Podcast. Please, if you haven't already, follow us on social media at the Diamond Duo Podcast on Instagram, at Diamond Duo Pod on Twitter. Keep listening to us for more interesting content as we continue to roll out. Be sure to vote on the teams of the month, which will be up later in the week, right after this episode is posted. Until then, for episode 40, I'm Tom. He's Tony. Adios, amigos.